You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Well, goody, goody, good. What the fuck does that mean? It's Alicia here. Welcome to Bride Chiller. Always professional, always perky, always a little bit weird. I founded this podcast four years ago. So if you were new to the show and you're looking at all the back catalogue going, oh my gosh, what the hell's going on? There are a lot of episodes. Don't worry. Be cool. Be calm. You don't have to listen to them all. Or if you do, great. Just ease into it. Take your time. Get to know me and the ethos of Bride Chiller. I'm all about trying to help you plan your wedding without losing your marbles or going over budget or having fights or just feeling overwhelmed and stressed about a party, which is what a wedding really is. Today on the show, I am answering your wedding planning questions, the Q&A episodes. There's the first weird voice of the day and you have left me a bunch of voice messages and also I put a call out in the Bride Chiller community our Facebook group and asked for your questions. So I shall be reading those also. I wanted to start today by thanking people well, for listening, firstly, and then also for your support in the Bride Chiller store. We just launched the Bride Chiller Oh Shit Kit, which has been a long time in the making. Again, if you're new to the show, um, my husband Rich and I, we run this business as our side hustle. It started as a podcast and has evolved to making physical product. I have written three books, The Bride Chiller Survival Guide, which is our long-form wedding planning book, The Bride Chiller Field Guide, which is our filler-outable planner, and The Maid Chiller Manual, which is a, a basically a bridesmaid guide just to help you help your bridesmaids help you. <laughs> That's not written in the book. The Oh Shit Kit is our wedding day emergency kit. It's a small cosmetic bag that has over 30 items that are really useful for potential issues, problems, scenarios that may occur on your wedding day. So it's got a sewing kit, double-sided tape, little scissors. It has band-aids or plasters if you're in England. And also very handy for sore heels, uh, the blister band-aids. Look, there's lots more in the pack, but uh, I wanted to thank everyone who jumped on board. We did a very sneaky, soft launch in the Bride Chiller community just before Christmas, and we have had some wonderful feedback from the Bride Chiller community. So thank you very much. We are independent suppliers, designers, manufacturers, and if you get a customer service email, it's from me. <laughs> Usually at my day job, sneakily writing an email on their time. Don't tell anyone. That was creepy. Okay, let's move on. Oh, I should say before we move on, if you would like to visit uh, the Bride Chiller store, surprisingly, the web address is bridechillerstore.com and you can check out all of our wares. Okay, let's jump into our very first voice message right now. Hi, Alicia. I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast. Oh, first I should say it's Nelly. Um and I'm very much enjoying listening to your podcast. Um, it's been really, really helpful in just chillaxing. In fact, I'm so chilled that my bridesmaids are concerned <laughs> that things aren't going to happen. But don't worry, I've got it down. Um, my question for you, and it's something that I've tried to search for on your um, historical podcast, but I can't see, is... Um, the question of veils. Now, I really want to have a veil, um, quite traditional, but um, there seems to be a vast choice of not only veils, but 
price brackets. So there's literally Vail starting at sort of £12. They seemingly are from Japanese um, retailers up to sort of really high end two or three hundred pounds worth um and what i wonder is has anyone had the cheap option and it been fine or would is this something that you should sort of spend a bit more money on um it would be really good to get people's thoughts on this especially yours thanks very much bye Nellie, thank you for your message and congratulations on your engagement. Congratulations to everyone on their engagements. Uh, really interesting question and I think it comes down to personal choice and taste, especially when you are looking at the quality of veils. Now, as an independent outsider, I will say that a veil is something that I'm assuming you will only wear once. A lot of bridal boutiques and bridal stores, and I'm very open, I just want to say I'm very open to feedback. As Nelly said, we'd like to hear your feedback. If you have an opinion about this, leave me a voice message and I will play it in the next Q&A episode. But as an independent outsider, a lot of boutiques and stores will try and sort of upsell you quite expensive veils, which are beautiful, but they are items that you will probably only wear for 20 or 30 minutes not many bride chillers keep the veil on, especially if it's a full cathedral veil or a longer veil on for longer than the service or the ceremony. And then they have some photos and then they ditch it. And there are lots of great options on the market which have a, a, a hair slide or a beaded or decorated clip attached to it that you can unclip the actual veil and then still have the accessory in your hair. However, the investment can sometimes be, you know, total sticker shock when you're trying on a dress and like, well, try this lovely veil on. And they're like, fucking hell, the veil's worth half the amount of the, the dress. Crazy. So, Nelly, I totally relate to it. I'm sure people listening now will be thinking, yeah, I have no idea the difference between a cheaper veil and a more expensive veil. Now, of course, looking at what it's made out of is the first step where it's made, if it's handmade or if it's mass produced. These are all options that are similar to everything that we would be buying for the wedding. I've seen a lot of chillers say that they've just gone to their local Michaels or they've gone online and purchased uh, material for the veil and have made their own veil for really not very much money. Secondhand veils are an excellent option. And then also renting veils. Our lovely friend Brittany from Happily Ever Borrowed, she's a friend of the Bride Chiller community and podcast, she offers rental veils. So there's a vast range of options for you. Uh, also Etsy, I must add, has a lot of different choices and options. So look, I, I just think if you decide to purchase a veil, consider your budget, consider how long you'll be wearing it for. And if you do choose to make your own, make sure you search within the Bride Chiller community. This is something a lot of people don't do. We get a lot of repeat questions and there are so many good posts with good answers. If you search, use the search function in the Facebook group. There've been quite a few Bride Chillers that have put up photographs of veils that they've made and even I think there's a couple of videos of people saying this is how I did it. It's definitely worth checking it out. Thank you Nelly. Heading to our very first question from the Bride Chiller community. Bride Chiller Jackie asks if someone is a questionable plus one meaning they may not be in a relationship that lasts until your wedding do you include their name on the save the date? My wedding is eight months and this is the case for a few of my friends. Also, 
Lauren said plus one this question. And Bright Sheila Chantel actually jumped in and asked a question that I wanted to have the answer to because I think it makes a bit of a difference about my answer. She says, are you having it near where everyone is living or is it a destination wedding? Which is a very good point. She um, also added that for her wedding, everyone is travelling 10 plus hours. So they are giving the option of plus one for the convenience. Now, Jackie, it's a really good question because we cannot tell the future. We're not fortune tellers. We're not Nostradamus. And even then, I don't think he really had any special skills. The idea that we can jump ahead in time and figure out if these people are going to be together or not, we don't know. So I think you need to live for the now. And if they do break up, well, they're not coming to your wedding, are they? They're not just going to be some lone ranger going, well, I was going out with her, but... We broke up, but I'm still going to come to your wedding. So it's probably not going to happen. Maybe you should reverse it and say, if they are still together in six to 10 months' time, would you want that person at your wedding? That's how I would think about it. And if you don't want them at your wedding and you'd have no intention of inviting them in the first place and you're sort of willing them to break up, then perhaps it's a good indicator that they shouldn't be invited. Always remember in these situations to have a contingency. So if you can only fit 100 people in your wedding venue, but you have 120 people on the list, you just need to make sure that those extra 20 people (laughs) have somewhere to sit and a meal and are allowed into the venue. Because also, side note, these restrictions that venues place aren't just for saying we can only physically fit 100 people into the venue. It's also a legal restriction for a lot of venues that they're only registered to have that many people in the room. It's an OHS fire issue and an insurance issue. So even if you go, yeah, they'll be able to put an extra five or 10 people in, some venues will not budge and that's their legal right to say so. So that is my extra side note. It really depends on how you want to Look at your guest list and think ahead and make sure that all the bases are covered with your seating numbers, your budget, and also who you really want at your wedding. That's the most important thing. Jackie, thank you so much for posting and for being a member of the Bride Chiller community. My name's Chelsea, and I have a question about wedding dress shopping. So I'm newly engaged, just got engaged uh, two months ago. And I'm finding it really hard to find a way to search for uh, the best wedding dress for me based on my budget. Is there some kind of search engine out there where you can just plug in your budget and you can get different ideas for designers and stores? It seems like it should be such an easy thing, but I'm having a hell of a time. So any kind of feedback you could give me would be so helpful. Thank you. Love your show. Chelsea, I think you've just come up with a million, billion, kajillion dollar idea because I also just searched. Not that I was doubting you. I didn't doubt you, Chelsea. But I thought surely there has to be a website that pulls photographs and styles from lots of different designers in one place, a la ShopStyle, which is one of my favorite shopping websites. Let me just explain. I'm not affiliated with ShopStyle. I just think it's great. ShopStyle.com is an international website where you can select which country you're living in and then you could say, I want a white belt. (laughs) I don't know why I just picked white belt. Let's just say you want a white belt and you can add that into their search and then they pull from thousands of stores. Um, 
all of the different white belts and they'll be able to say if something's on special, if it's still in stock. It's really clever. And I think ShopStyle make a commission off your purchase if you choose to click through, but it takes you to Nordstrom or it takes you to Macy's or wherever you're buying the white belt from. And also, I have used ShopStyle to search for wedding gowns or white or cream dresses. And it's really good if you aren't looking for air quote wedding dresses. It's a really good way to find designer dresses, gowns, outfits that are cream and white. However, to get back to your question, Chelsea, no, there is not. I have not found one particular specific website. And if anyone in the Bride Chiller community or listeners have please send it to me. I think it's a great resource. Or let's just make it ourselves. I mean, I haven't got enough on my plate. Let's add a wedding fucking dress website to it. Rich will have a heart attack if I ever mention that. He really will. You can, of course, go to um, Style Me Pretty, The Knot, those big wedding websites. A lot of them feature lookbooks where you can enter your details, what you're looking for, if it's a short dress, long dress, A-line, puffy, whatever. That's not one of them. Puffy. I would like a puffy dress. You can go and search and uh, find that way. But look, the other thing I would say to you, Chelsea, is Pinterest is great for really honing in on ideas and what you're looking for as well. But yeah, look, mystery, mystery. I'm sorry I can't provide more information but let's just start working together on, on that website. <laughs> Thank you, Chelsea. Alrighty, another community-based question. Community-based questions like a community service. Cassandra says, I would like to ask for recommendations for things to consider for outside the wedding day, like in the days leading up to or after the wedding. What are some suggestions to help calm you down, spend extra time with out-of-town guests, etc. Also, what are some good ways to stay present on the day so it doesn't just fly past, like taking moments with your new spouse to take in the details throughout the day? And stuff. Thank you, Cassandra. Awesome questions. Firstly, my biggest tip in the lead up to a wedding day or an event is to not overbook yourself, but also be very aware of time. So if you have out of town guests and you want to go and meet and greet them, you need to make sure that you have allocated. And I don't mean this like you have a timetable or maybe you do need a timetable, but that you set time aside to go and make that happen. Don't try and cram 35 things into the day before your wedding. You want to have time to be mindful (laughs) to have a little bit of peace and quiet whether that means just sitting and watching some Netflix or doing some yoga or going for a run or going to a spa with your bridesmaids although I'd say do that a couple of days before just don't plan for too much the day before have some contingency time to yourself as well and just make sure that the people that you're surrounding yourself with in the lead up to the wedding don't ask too much of you For example, if you do have out-of-town guests coming and you want to go and say hello to them, just say, I'm just here for an hour. I just want to say hello. We're going to catch up over the weekend. Don't feel obliged to hang around for five hours and make chit-chat or whatever because it can be really tiring and you just need to make sure that you have time for you. Big tip. And then also your question was great about making sure that you have those moments with your partner on your wedding day. And that's really just about taking 
taking that time and being aware that the day is passing and maybe going and stepping outside for 10 minutes and having a chat and having a little gossip with your partner and saying, did you see that? Or that happened or that cake was delicious to eat. And not feeling like you have to be on the whole time. Cassandra, you have reminded me of a long, long ago promise that I made and I never saw it through. I see a lot of my promises through. It's very rare that I don't. But I had said many a a decade ago that I was going to make a special series in the lead up to your wedding. So maybe something that you could listen to in the week of your wedding, a couple of episodes, one episode. I am going to ask the community what they would like and I will do this in the coming months. I will create these special episodes that you can listen to uh, that are specifically for that time just to create some calm, some peace and some fun in the lead up to your wedding day. So thank you for that prompt and thank you for your question. There'll be more of Bride Chiller after this. Oh, I love Q&A days. It's where I get to just shoot the shit and uh, hopefully help you out in your wedding planning conundrums. Grace says, Hi Alicia, I have this idea but I'm not sure how it will work. So our whole relationship, my future husband and I have been obsessed with this one TV show and we've spent so many nights watching and re-watching it. So I love the idea of using character names in place of traditional table numbers. I think it would be subtle but fun way to personalize our wedding and really make it ours. I'm super excited about the idea and I really want to do it. The only problem is... I will likely have about 20 to 25 tables with normal table numbers. You can just kind of orient yourself with like the low numbers are over there. The high numbers are over here with that sort of thing. But with character names, how would you handle this? Will it be too much chaos with that many tables? Should I stick to the traditional numbers? Well, Grace, you kicked off a bit of a thread because everyone was obsessed with what TV show you were talking about and uh, Rich and I played a bit of a game before this was revealed and I I actually guessed wrong. I thought, look, this is just where my brain went. I thought you were going to say Lost, but it is in fact The Office, which is a fucking great show. Fantastic. Look, the obvious to me solution would be to still have a table number attached to the name and people had suggested this as well congratulations other chillers with similar mindsets to mine I think if you can have a table number and still have the character name but just say it's table one Michael Scott that's probably the most simplistic way to solve this problem I freaking love tv related weddings because I'm a tv nut Grace, I hope you're doing other office-related items, decor, cake or something with your wedding. Please write and tell me more. I'm fascinated. Hi, Alicia. This is Bridechilla Anna calling from Michigan. I wanted to tell you thank you for your awesome, uplifting, hilarious and calming and educational podcast. Um, I think I heard about it on Reddit originally, actually, where people really like the term fuck it bucket. Um, And I also connected to that term, which is what brought me to your podcast, which has in turn made my drives home in bad weather that much more enjoyable. So thank you. Um, My question today is about food and self-catering specifically. So I am having a pretty small and casual wedding. We're expecting between 40 and 60 people. It's in this really cool local venue that is not 
generally used for weddings. Um, we have two floors and each floor has a wooden bar and it comes with tables and chairs and air conditioning, so that's all great. Um, but I don't really know how to plan out our appetizers. So we're going to be having drinks, appetizers, and a meal dropped off from a restaurant. And for the drinks part, I found your podcast with Jackie Strum really helpful in planning out how much alcohol we'll probably have to buy. Um, I think we're getting it from Costco, and we are hiring two bartenders from our favorite bar to come over and serve it and replenish it. So I think that's set. And for the food, we're having the restaurant drop it off, and we're hiring a friend of a friend to replenish it and you know make sure that the paper towels or napkins don't fall on the floor or whatever. But for appetizers, we're kind of on our own. So the venue has two fridges, like regular kitchen fridges. Um, and we were thinking of maybe getting appetizers from Costco or a local grocery store. And I've read about people doing this online. And Rachel LeClaire talked about it on your recent podcast about how to do a budget wedding. And I really liked how she talked about going to Costco and pricing things out, but I don't really know how to start putting together a menu for appetizers, and it would be really helpful to hear from a vendor or other bride chillers and groom chillers who've planned their weddings and done their own appetizers, how that worked logistically. Um, everything from picking it out, pricing it out, transporting it, taking it out of the fridge, I don't know. Uh, it would really help me figure it out. So. Yeah, that's my question. Thanks for your podcast and happy days. Bridechiller Anna, great question. I can personally say, Rich and I did this at our wedding. We did a bit of a deal with our caterer and they allowed us to create an hors d'oeuvre table. Hors d'oeuvres. Just like a fucking starters table, really. So classy, so elegant. When it comes to planning your own food, and I've done a couple of episodes about these details and I'll just quickly go through some things now but you need to think about the logistics of food prep and service what sort of food will be able to be served without too much extra work you don't want to be doing work on the day so if you are going to Costco and you're buying for example cold meats or charcuterie as we'd say in Europe this is cheese and meats, lovely finger food that you can make look really pretty, but actually aren't that expensive and don't require too much prep or heating, which is a really big factor. If you're doing this yourself, I think you need to make it easy and also something that you can go and buy the week of the wedding and not feel like you have to run around the morning of the wedding and buying stuff. We personally bought a lot of beautiful cheese crackers, fresh bread that we had someone buy on the morning of the wedding. As I've just said, don't buy anything on the morning of the wedding. We sent a friend out to do that. But for us, it was really easy to create this beautiful table that was filled with food and it wasn't that expensive, but it looked really specky. The only thing I personally cooked in advance were arancini balls, which are risotto balls. I love making a risotto and it was very easy for us to make a big batch of risotto and then crumb them, fry them. And they were vegetarian, so we didn't have to worry about meat. Uh, and meat, I almost said it like that. But it, we didn't have to worry about you know putting chicken and then reheating and then everyone just getting the squirts 10 minutes into the wedding. That would be bad. Or salmonella poisoning, which I've had and never wish to have again. And we served the arancini balls cold on the day. And we put little skewers in them so they were easy to eat. And it was really simple. So my answer to your question, very long answer, 
and using my personal experience is make a big list, make sure you buy things that are easily prepared, don't need too much thought in the way of setting up and also just who's going to manage it on the day. I think that's probably the most important decision of finding someone that's able to come in and make that happen. As you said, you've got a restaurant delivering the main meals. So maybe you have a relative or friend or perhaps you're having catering staff that are going to be helping you actually serve the food to really communicate with them about how you want the food to be set up and when you want it to be served and just making sure that you have dietary requirements covered as well. And also lastly, I would go to Pinterest and look up search terms like charcuterie table or hors d'oeuvres table. And and this is all, I'm just saying, it's much easier to set something up than have small plates and having to have someone serve all this stuff. That This is just my thought process. I would definitely set up a table. But go and look at Pinterest for some hors d'oeuvre porn slash inspiration. Get hungry doing it and uh, go from there. But good luck to you. I think it's really great that you're doing it and just make sure it's all about planning and it's all about just knowing what you need to do when to get it all cooking and looking really good. Another Bride Chiller community question, Bride Chiller Heidi had a food-related question. She said, Alicia, my fiancé and I love tacos or tacos and are seriously considering doing a taco bar at our wedding. It's actually more cost-effective and I think it's more unique than your typical wedding food, chicken and steak with potatoes and veggies. I agree. Oh, I could eat a taco right now. My question is this. Will out-of-town guests who have travelled to see us be turned off by such a casual meal? I don't want to feel like others are underwhelmed. Thanks so much and I love this community. Well, we love you too. What was actually lovely about this thread is a bunch of people jumped in with similar experiences and similar choices. Um, Ali said that she's doing a taco bar too. This way I can include vegetarians and people who are gluten-free without breaking the bank. I... On top of the taco bar, I'm also doing a late night snack and passed on hors d'oeuvres. My mum is worried about people, quote, going hungry. But my worry is about me and my future husband and what we want. Good. Very bride chiller. Seeing that the people won't, quote, like the food is five out of 150. I'm fine with the five not liking it. Yeah, they can eat a bag of dicks is what I say. Now, listen, that wasn't very appropriate. I apologize. Oh, I don't because I love the phrase, eat a bag of dicks. It's one of my favorites. Um, Here's the thing. I agree with Ali. It is absolutely your day and it's your choice. I think the taco bar is great. And if that's a food you like and the food that you want to eat at your wedding, just go for it. My only feedback about tacos is just making sure that there are enough napkins or places for people to sit. Is it a stand-up wedding? Are people sitting down? Because I just find them quite messy to eat and I usually wear the taco rather than putting it in my mouth. But that's just my own clumsy klutziness and that's just my own feedback. But gosh, I love eating them and I think it's fun and that's what it's all about. Do it. Do the tacos time for one last question for all of the people who left comments that I haven't answered this question they will be banked until the next Bridechilla Q&A I promise you I will get to your question I'm always very mindful of covering questions especially if they're time sensitive so if you do have a question that you would like to leave me a voice message or pop me an email all you need to do is visit thebridechiller.com and you will see all the information about how to get that stuff to me sounded unnecessarily aggressive. Apologies. (laughs) 
Bride Chiller Melanie says, Hello, I have a destination wedding question. We're specifically looking at a villa wedding that includes accommodation minimum three nights for up to 50 people. Oh, sounds fabulous. I wanted to check the etiquette on asking the guest to chip in for accommodation as we'd love to have everyone together, but it's a huge cost for us to cover. One idea we came up with was to cover for food for three days, but ask the guests to evenly pay the accommodation. Then we would, of course, cover the additional event fee and also hope the alcohol might drag out after the wedding too. Does this sound fair? Also, any good tips on how to collect money from 50 people? Thank you. So my response is, and then I will get to some responses from chillers who left comments in the post because they're really great. Rich and I did this, but we didn't do it for 50 people. We had a, a, a house that we hired that we also held our wedding at and it was for it slept 16 or 18 people and there was a two-night accommodation. We also couldn't afford to pay for it all and I'm sure it's a lot less than the 50 people um, at your villa. But we just said to people... Instead of getting a hotel in the city or coming in and and paying accommodation elsewhere, if you all paid, I think it was 150 bucks, we would put on booze and food for the weekend. So we did exactly the same thing. No one said anything to our faces. They all seemed quite happy to do it. Also, our venue was a bit out of town, so it would have meant getting accommodation close by would have been quite tricky for people. And otherwise, we ran a bus um, for our other guests. So I don't think personally... This is a problem. And I also think if people want to come and have a little holiday and experience the three days of activities and socialising, it's a really good deal for them. And they probably would be paying for accommodation anyway. So I think it's just about the approach and how you explain it without saying, hi, can we have some of your money? But to say, hey, we're doing a destination wedding. We'd love you to be involved. We're going to block some hotel rooms for you where we are inviting everyone to stay. So maybe it's just changing the wording a little bit. And we'd love you to be involved. Um, Chantel, uh, Bridechilla Chantel said, could you do a room block and say that perhaps they've got until a certain date to book the rooms? She says, I have been to a multitude, multiple. (laughs) She didn't say multitude. She says, I've been to multiple destination weddings where this is the case. For my own destination wedding, 10 hours from home in the mountains, we are not covering the accommodation for anyone other than my mum. Instead of collecting money, could they contact the villas directly and arrange to pay them? I know Melanie had sort of suggested that this wasn't necessarily something that would be easy to organise with the accommodation. And I get it. The accommodation probably don't want to be taking deposits from 50 people. I would say you could easily set up a Venmo or a PayPal that's specifically for the event and within the invitation, do it all electronically. Also, of course, go to zola.com backslash bridechiller and create your free wedding website. Put all the information on the wedding website so they haven't got to go anywhere. They just need to click on the button. This is where, this is the detail about the accommodation. This is the link to send me money. This is where you'll get more information about flights or whatever. If you make it easy, I think people will be up for it. And I think it's a really good opportunity to extend the trip, take the hassle if you sell it like saying, hey, we've already, we're organizing all this for you. All you need to do is pop some money in this account and it's all done for you. Then I think it's a really good proposition for people. Good job. Sounds fantastic. 50 people all in one place. Party, party, party. Champs celebrating. Yes. 
Thank you, everyone, who participated in today's episode of the Bride Chiller podcast. I love hearing from you. I love learning about your weddings. I love hearing about your problems because we can all work together to solve them, give you solutions to make life easier. And that is just what I am all about and what Bride Chiller is all about. So as I said earlier, if you have a question, just visit thebridechiller.com to leave me a voice message, send me an email or uh, DM me via the socials. Facebook's much better. I fucking hate. I don't hate. That sounds awful. I don't like typing on the stupid little phone. And if you send me an Instagram DM, I really want to write long messages back to you, but I hate typing on the phone. So just send it to me on Facebook or email. That's my little gripe. It's my old lady gripe for today. (laughs) Instagram, make it possible for us to send freaking messages on our desktop. Anyway, enough of that. I will be doing regular Q&A episodes, so do get in touch. Thank you, everyone, for supporting BrideChillerStore.com. Make sure you head there to check out our books, my beautiful books, my book babies, and also our new Oh Shit kit. And uh, if you are proposing to your maid chillers, your bridesmaids, then can I suggest you check out the Maid Chiller Manual? It is filled with fabulous and helpful information to help your bridesmaids know what to do, know how to be a bridesmaid and also get them into the mindset of being a maid chiller, just not a bridesmaid. This is being in the bride chiller, maid chiller mindset, which I know will help you so much. It's called the Maid Chiller Manual. It's a really small, cute and inexpensive book that you can add to your little proposal pack. It's got a gorgeous free Would You Be My Maid Chiller card that comes with each book so you can fill it out, shove it in their faces and get them working. What a terrible thing to say. So you can fill it out and say, hey, friend, I love you and I want you to be a part of my big day. Thank you. That's a nicer thing to say. Thanks so much, everyone, for listening and spending this time with me. And uh, I hope you enjoy the back catalogue. I hope you enjoyed the week. Next week on the show, I'm really excited to be featuring an episode where I interview two new wedding entrepreneurs, Lucy and Michelle from Honeydew. Honeydew, I've got to say it because it sounds like I'm a honeydew. It's very Australian. Honeydew. They have an excellent business where they are helping you cut out the middleman when it comes to wedding planning. It's really interesting and their attitude is full on bride chiller. We also talk about being a busy chick and guys, but specifically chicks, when you are working really hard and focusing on your career and then you get thrown this wedding planning challenge and it can be freaking hard. So we talk a lot about how to say yes to things you want to do, how to say no to things that you don't want to do, and also allocate and distribute tasks to other people. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, happy days. The Bride Chilla Podcast, telling chair covers to get fucked since 2014. I am so proud to present the Bride Chiller Survival Guide, our very own wedding planning guide that is available now at bridechillerstore.com. From dealing with wedding donors, that's parents who give you money, to ditching obligation guests and meaningless details. So long, garters and bloody gift bags. The Bride Chiller Survival Guide will free you of weird stress and the quest for perfection, which, by the way, doesn't exist. Visit bridechillerstore.com to grab your copy and the companion book, 
the Bridechiller Field Guide. Happy days.